You're listening to That's the Industry Podcast, episode number three. Today, we're talking about how to become a rapper. Now, before anybody scoffs or is like, oh my God, Thomas, like, I'm not trying to be a rapper. I don't even listen to rap. I don't listen to hip hop. Listen, if you've listened to the past couple episodes, you know I'm trying to bring as much value to the table as humanly possible. And if you're in the entertainment industry, as I always say, we're in the exact same boat. We're just in different sections. Now, the guy I'm going to talk to is just so talented. Obviously, we're going to go over his writing music, writer's block, producing music. But when we start to really do a deep dive, he really gets into the sacrifices that he's had to make to become a true artist. And he also opens up about his alcohol addiction and how he puts that into his music. And there's also a surprise story in there where he talks about his grandmother posting music on SoundCloud on the daily. I can't wait for you guys to get to that section of the interview because you can just hear my voice change. You'll it's 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 kind of funny. But without further ado, let's get into it. You're listening to That's the Industry with Thomas Jordan. That's the industry. The podcast that takes you inside all the aspects of the entertainment industry directly from the people who are making it happen. And now, your host, Thomas Jordan. What's going on, guys? Thomas Jordan here back in Atlanta, and I'm always excited to come back home and feature new and upcoming artists. We got Quan Duke here. He is a rapper, songwriter, and audio engineer out of Atlanta, representing, man, what's going on? What's good, brother? Good to see you, man. Yeah, dude. I First, I saw you through a YouTuber. Well, he's your friend, but uh, yeah. uh, Creative Ryan, and I and I just love the simplicity of the video mm-hmm. and just listening to the lyrics and just how everything was put together. That's why I wanted to reach out, and I, I think you are definitely in the right spot. <laughs> Thank you, man. We, we literally... we. Um, Went to like a spot downtown, had some food, uh, grabbed a drink, and we stopped at a gas station to get like a Red Bull. Yeah. We were just gonna like take some like pictures, you know. And we were like, yo, like let's just shoot a video. And we were thinking like, okay, gas station, cool, one location. But I was like, you know what? It's gritty. I like the vibe. Um, and he was like, yeah, let's do it. And, you know, he's dope with what he does, so he can make anything look pretty dope. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we just shot that video, did the song, man, and um, matched it up. And everything was done and edited in one night, which is pretty cool. So. Yeah, and it's weird because it was shot at a gas station. And when I say that, I think people, I don't know what people automatically think. They're like, wait, what? But just the way it was shot and the colors that he used made it look like super gritty. So it looked like super cool. So I was like paying attention the whole time. There was nothing too distracting. So the music was there. But you're definitely there lyrically. Like, where did you learn how to do that? Yo, so the cool part is, man, like my mom growing up, she had like, she's from Tennessee. So she had like all the um, country and bluegrass background and yeah. all that great stuff, right? And then my dad, my dad's side, I had like, you know, the R&B, Marvin Gaye, Temptations, OJs. So, man, I've been around music since like a little kid. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So ultimately, what happened for me, I just started picking up on different cadences, vibes, and things like that. Um, and my uncle, my uncle put me on like this crazy rap nerd stuff back yeah. in the day, like for old Monk, Wu-Tang, um, and it was nuts. So like that was that was like really the big introduction for me is music and then as i got older i started getting into like the little waynes and drakes and stuff like that but i had the introduction to like all the rap underground um vibes man that helped out a crap ton 
Yeah, and just writing, because I, I, I think I've tried to write before, because when my 8 Mile came out, yeah. I think everybody had that, like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. <laughs> right, yeah. mentality. It is not, and then I don't, it wasn't so much the writing as to, like, matching up, because bars are they're called, like, yeah. writing it up to the beats and everything. That is a whole different skill in itself. Yeah. Man, I think for me, bro, like, so how, I don't know, I used to do it a lot differently, but as, mm. as I progress as an artist, it's changed a lot. But I literally play a beat, right? Or whatever the production that I'm listening to, or sometimes it's just random ideas and I'll just mm. come up with like a hook idea. And I ultimately just work around the hook. And sometimes it's vice versa, you know, I'll write the verses and then have the hook come in afterwards. But really, man, writing, it just comes from like how you truly feel. There's not something like I'm forcing myself to write this to make it sound good. It like literally spills out. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's something that you can work towards or if it's something that's just embedded into you as a person, but that's literally, man, what I do. It just comes out, it flows, and it's supernatural. So And I saw you posted not too long ago. You put you put in your what did they say? It takes uh, to be a master, it takes ten thousand hours. Ten thousand hours, bro, for sure. You're, you're more than halfway there. More than halfway. There. Yeah, <laughs> man. I never I never calculated it, but even if I did hit ten thousand, man, I know for sure like I'm I gotta get another ten thousand, another ten thousand, but yeah, man, the music's still not perfected, you know, mm-hmm. but it's definitely somewhere where I think, you know, it can it can reach the masses and, and touch people's lives for sure. So now, but the game has kind of changed a little bit in a sense mm-hmm. where, like, I think before you needed to, it was all about get that contract, get that label signed, like, you've got to go through all these channels, but now you can almost be an independent artist. Yeah, and man. go from there, like, the whole, like... Yeah, bro, like, because YouTube is the new MTV... Mm-hmm. SoundCloud is the new MTV, like all these social media platforms, they're all, they're all the channels that you would need or that, the, you know, that was there back in the day, right? Yeah. So now the cool part for me, man, I can just utilize those social platforms and put my music out there. But yeah, bro, they're all, they're all MTVs at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all the BETs, they're all the um, VH1s, whatever you want to essentially call um, the, the new wave of social media. They're all the old school yeah. waves of social media, man. And technology's come a long way, too, because I remember even before we set this interview up, I asked you if you had, like, a studio you record in, and what'd you say? Bro, I literally record in my daughter's closet. And people are like, yo! (laughs) But I used to have a setup back in the day, man, but I'm I'm always, like, on the go. I'm always, like, taking my stuff and recording in other places, so Mm. I literally, like, stopped, like, doing setups. So, like, wherever I'm at, I'll just find a quiet spot to, like, record and then man i mean at, th- at this digital age you have, have all these plugins that you can use um to like mask like fuzz and sh- stuff in the background yeah and i was gonna say is that where you kind of got you you started like audio engineering because yeah you ca- kind of had to bro yeah so like i'm from des moines iowa so uh-huh. there wasn't a lot of uh, audio engineers out there mm-hmm. you know um growing up so i was in high school and i just used to and that bro I started using um, Adobe Audition, which was like an older like DAW. It was mostly yeah. meant for like podcasts, um, but I, you know, my uncle helped me get that, you know, um, through the bandwidth, right? But he helped me get that software, and like there was no tutorials on like how to mix songs on there. They're very like seldom to find those. Yeah, it was mostly just podcast stuff. So I just scraped up as many like tutorials that I can, and kind of created mm-hmm. like my own sound of audio engineering like i've been to certain studios and had audio engineers do my stuff but it doesn't sound um it just doesn't sound like how i do it and i think that's what also sets me apart sonically is that i'm able to mix my stuff and it's just my sound and with like some artists like i know for from a visual aspect like uh, with video 
people wanted to make it so where like if you're watching it, you know that that's that person or if you're watching something else or you see a photo that that's that person. Yeah. Do you feel the same way as far as music where it's like, oh, you, they hear it and then they're just like, oh, that's him. Yeah, like, um, think about, like, Migos, man. They have, like, all their ad-libs, right? Mm. Um, their ad-libs definitely sets them apart from, like, other artists. But, yeah, man, I think from an audio perspective, that sound can literally, like, turn people's ears on, like, oh, yeah, that, that is that person, right? So, for me, it's my voice. Again, how I mix and master my audio. Um, and then, really, beat choice is a big thing, too. Um, you know, you have all these tight beats floating around, and mm. everyone can essentially grab the same beat, sound the same, but man, no one's going to write the way someone else will write to, like, the same instrumental. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Or no, everyone's going to have a different vibe. And I think that, you know, it's, it's just something that comes natural for, yeah. for some. You know? And when you're writing, how do you know when something's working and what's not? Bro, so because I dropped the album in October, mm -hmm. um, Noah. But, man, like, after I released that album, it was so much that I put into that project. Like, now I'm, like, drained almost from writing. So... And I really don't believe in the writer's block stuff because, you know, writer's block is just an idea people have in their mind. Mm -hmm. You know, like you write something, you're like, oh, this is not good enough. But in reality, it's just like your own defense mechanism of what you think yeah. is good. But yeah, right now I'm in, I'm in, I'm in writer's block, man. And it sucks because um, it's just one of those things as an artist, man, in your cre creative realm, it's hard to get out of. But you got to keep pushing, man. And yeah, the other day I was recording a song. I was like, this is not it. Um, I put all my sauce on it as much as I could, um, recording and audio engineering wise, but it just wasn't it, man. So on to the next one. I was gonna say, so if you like, if you have an album, how many um, tracks were on Noah? 12. 12, so okay, that's the ones that made it to the actual, so how many do you think you wrote, like total? Total? Um, so the crazy part, so I started working on the album in October and I released October 30th. Mm -hmm. So it was 30 days, right? Mm -hmm. I had three to four songs done prior that I did in the summer. So I essentially wrote seven to eight songs-ish mm -hmm. in a month span and recorded and mixed and mastered all of them. Um, I think two songs on the album that, that were mixed and uh, mastered that I didn't do. But other than that, I did everything else. Um, and then production, um, shout out KT. He's one of the producers that I worked with on the album. Um, KT Got Beats. Uh, him and um, a couple other people. But other than that, man, I mean, that was really it. I did everything in a month and I literally sacrificed like time with my daughter, time with my lady. Like there was, you know, you had, there were sacrifices I had to like literally like, okay, account for. Mm -hmm. But yeah, man, I put the album out and there were certain songs that I had to say, hey, do I even want to put these records out? Because there are a lot of personal records on that album, yeah. you know? So now I'm just like soaking up more vibes, more life and um, trying to figure out something else to write. What would you say the most personal song is on that album is? Um, most personal song would have to be Watchtower, last song on the album for sure. Mm -hmm. Watchtower, Karma or Watchtower, and those are like the last two, I believe. And why? what sets those different from the other 10? And Black Pulse, by the way. Yeah, yeah that's in the beginning. That's the video I uh, did. But really what, man, I talk about like addiction with alcohol. Um, even the cliche stuff like smoking cigarettes. I mean, just things that are really negative, but that a lot of people do in life. You know what I'm saying? There's a huge um, social stigma around like smoking cigarettes and drinking, man. But those things obviously can, can put you in, in a certain space. So I talk about a lot of that. Like I know um, 
on Black Pulse talk about driving to the clinic with side pain because I was drinking so much. Like, there's personal lyrics on there that, bro, I was like nervous to even put out. Yeah. Not because I was, I didn't want people to like hear them. It was just like, damn, I'm actually about to put like a huge chunk of like Your my personal and, yeah. self. Yeah. So, um, those are definitely personal. I talk about uh, my mom and dad not getting along growing up, me not having my father. I'm not from something that he chose. It's just kind of the situation and how like my mom and my dad didn't get along, right? Mm-hmm. Like he was in Atlanta chasing music, right? And yeah. uh, my mom was, you know, in Iowa. So it wasn't something that like, you know, my dad was like, I want to be here. But just, I guess, conflict between them two um, kind of set us apart, right? Mm-hmm. Talk about that in Watchtower Karma. Talk about like my grandfather, um, he had a heroin addiction um, growing up as well as my grandma. And uh, my grandma's still here. She's an amazing lady. Um, still here. She actually does music as well, man. Yeah. She puts, bro, she puts music on SoundCloud every day. Your like, grandma. I'm dead serious. What? I'm dead serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she sends me the links, and I'm just like, so many links. But that's what keeps her going, man. But yeah, she had, she had um, a crazy life back in the day, man. And um, you know, my grandpa did too. I talk about that. Talk about there was a line in Karma. Talk about how my own dad sold. Um, I don't know exactly what drug it was at the mm-hmm. time, but so drugs to my grandfather. Um, it was nuts, man. So I talk about a lot of stuff in these records that are just like, they're almost like, seriously? Like, I don't want to hear that stuff. But some people are probably going through the same thing. You know what I'm saying? So I have to kind of put that in my mind as well. Like, yo, there's people out here just like me or have similar experiences, whether that's now um, or, you know, in the past and hopefully not in the future, but yeah. you never know. Well, is that what kind of pushes you to put it out? Because I know it can be really nerve-wracking to put yourself out there and put all your business out there. Like, that's a lot. Yeah, man. I think um, once you put your truth out there, like, no one can use it against you. Mm. Um, there was, an, and even on Black Pulse, uh, that, that record, man, there's so much on there. But, you know, I talk about being, in, you know, being insecure at a point in time in life mm. where, you know, people would say things or um, do things that will make me, like, almost feel not superior in certain situations but mm-hmm. now it's like i put so much of my truth out there there's not really much that's gonna like throw me to the side or like throw me off because i'm just like well it's already there and honestly me to put my truth out there man like that is actually me put me putting like my pride aside like once mm-hmm. you put your pride aside as a man i feel like that's gonna be that's the hardest thing to do as a man but once you do that it actually like helps you out and you know long term because you, you know, you're working at this high level of consciousness that most people are really seeking for. Yeah. And uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, we were kind of talking about, he uh, talks about, it's like your eight mile moment where yeah. you literally put everything out there. So if that, anyone ever comes at you, it's already out there. And yeah. Can't hurt it's kind of almost, yeah, it's, it's literally almost the same concept. Um, and, you know, I've been with artists or I listen to a lot of artists. I've, I've, you know, I've been, a, I've been around a lot of creators and sometimes it's just like, ah, it's not good enough. Or, oh, I don't want to put this out. Or, you know, but I, I'm the, I was the same way during the album. Yeah. Um, which was literally like three, three, four months ago. And so it's not like this is something I've been doing for the past like two, three years. This is something that I finally realized as of recent. Um, and once I, you know, found this gym as a person, you know, it, it literally helps me like find the right vibe in the right situations, man. So, yeah. And how often are you writing now? Bro, like past, since I dropped the album in the past three or four months, I've probably written maybe like five to 10 times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they may be two sentences, they may be two verses, they may be a full song, and it may be three words. 
So where do you like, and they're just there. And then how do you then put the pieces together? Like when does that, yeah. is that, is that just like a timing thing? Like it could come if you're at the gym or in the shower and it's like, Oh, I can piece that together. Is that how your, your, I guess your process is? Yeah. Like, bro, like literally I could be making coffee Yeah, and I'll come up with something. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there's times where I don't like going out. Like I just don't. Yeah. Um, and being an Atlanta man on that life is, is pretty vital to be in. But like the times that I do go out, it's the most inspiring because it actually like goes to show like what this other side of life is. And that's what really gets me to like write a lot more. Um, like if there's a song that I have out called Big Bands produced by Imperial Low, he released a, um, album um back in december it's called uh, imperial superior volume one um but yeah like big bands is literally a record about being in being in the club man checking out this girl she's 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 bad she looks dope she's smoking hookah her face is dark you can tell she's medusa right you can just tell she's her heart's cold but there's something about her you know you just you're attracted to her Mm -hmm. you can't stop looking at her um and i talk about you know like the hooks just like on a hitting off the balance, Nemo overflows for the palace. So it's just like you're drinking, you're thinking about you really want this mansion. You see this girl, so like the whole song is kind of like a it's a conglomerate of mm. just like that nightlife vibe. So yeah, and we we keep talking about like the process of like the lyrics and the bars and everything like that. But what about the beats? Because I find, it's weird because. I, I found this guy on YouTube who makes beats in his mm. room or whatever, and they're, they're, they all sound good, but I feel like after a while, do they not all start to sound like kind of the same? Yeah, man. And I think that is where, is a line that you draw, like yeah. creating all this work that sounds the same and then being able to create work that still continues to like progress. Because yeah. you want to find your sound, you, you, know, you want to find your image, you want to find your vibe, but you don't want to like, you always want to reinvent yourself, man. That's another thing that I've learned as well just off reading, like always reinvent yourself. Um, like kind of look at what uh, Lil Wayne and Jay-Z has done, you know, like Lil Wayne started 20 years ago. And then, you know, as time progressed, he always like reinvented himself. Whether people liked it or not, if it was the rapping stage, the rock stage, the skateboarding stage, it was always like a reinvention that he did. And it kept, you know, eyes on him, but he still created like great content, right? Mm. But yeah, man, I feel like with the beats, bro, like, the whole YouTube type beat era is, mm. is nuts. Um, if you're an up and coming artist such as myself, be careful with like the leases. I'll tell people be careful with leases because if you lease a beat and if, if another artist has leased that same beat because that's what happens. Because I used to sell beats back in the day. Yeah. Um, and I want to be, you know, I wanted to be the producer, rapper, engineer, and I wanted to do all that. But I just engineer and, and record, obviously, and song, right? But um with the production so i didn't want to be a jack of all trades i wanted to master a couple things yeah. i feel like once i get you know once i have a couple weapons under my arsenal that i've mastered i'll be able to you know utilize them a little more but yeah man so i let the production stuff go but yeah like for me i used to lease beats right so if you lease a beat artist a can buy it artist b can buy it right mm-hmm. and they both have the same rights but let's say artist a his song was okay. low-key put out a week before artist b through a distributor, if artist B puts that song and video out, right, artist A is gonna get paid off of all the views that artist B artist B is getting. Mm. So I'm, I'm running into that like now, right? So it's like now, I mean, I encourage either people to, if they have the budget to buy the beats in full or like try to find someone that you rock with personally that can maybe help you 
or that you can literally just invest with them. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, the whole YouTube thing, you have to be very careful because if you get a popular beat, man, and let's say one song, you know, artist, yeah. A, man, it's, it's nuts. So if you can buy the beat in full, otherwise try to, you know, get some stuff in-house. How much do beats cost? Like, a, like for a yeah. song, like if you thought like you just wrote this awesome song, you kind of had what you were looking for and you found it, depending on who it is, like what do, what do beats go for? There's like a whole bunch of different tiers, man. It's it's so much, but like you can have a, a, a beat for twenty dollars. So like typically there's tiers, right? So you can have an MP3, you can have um, and a wave file, which is a little, little better quality, and then you can have like a track out. Um, and MP3 could be twenty bucks. Let's say the wave is thirty. Let's say the track out wave is forty, and those are just leases. So it's literally like you don't have, you don't own rights to the beat. Mm. It's, the beat's not proprietary to you. Oh. Um, other artists can lease that same beat. That's the forty dollars. That's the that's the under the fifty dollars range. So you don't own it. No, it's all it's always leased. Right. So what does it cost to like own it? It depends. It could be. It depends on the producer, man. It could be two hundred bucks all the way up to like two, three, two, three, two, three thousand. You know, but typically online, they, I don't see them going past five, five hundred bucks to a thousand. But I've seen, I have seen some that do. Well, if you're going to go that route, don't you have to be absolutely sure that that's going to be your beat? That that's another thing too, and you want to make sure that you know this record is is worth investing into. You see what I'm saying? So and like, yeah, and if it's five hundred and you got ten tracks, just to keep the math easy, right? That you're looking at like it's five. It, yeah, yeah, easy. Yeah. So that's another thing too. You want to watch out, not even watch out for, it, but just something to be mindful about. Yeah. Because I've been trial and error with me at this point in time. It's been. Um, years of just like learning and like, oh, that doesn't work. This works. Um, but yeah, man, that's the beat game really, dude. And and being in Atlanta for as long as you have been, how hard is it to find like a good producer? Because I can only imagine like beyond the leases, beyond the ownership, like even if somebody sold it to you for 500 bucks and your song popped and you're like, you're the next big thing, you don't, what if that producer is super shady and he's going to try to string you? You know what I'm saying? That's why, I mean, that's where the, when the papers come in ultimately and yeah. just being able, but that's why Russ played it safe, man. Like, and he didn't play it safe. He just really wanted to not have to worry about all these extra like loopholes and stuff like that. So that's why he literally does every single thing. And everyone like shuns him for it. Not even shun, shuns him for it, but you know they say it's corny or he's so like narcissistic, narcissistic or whatever. But ultimately, man, he played it. He played it right. He don't have to worry about all these extra little tedious pieces yeah. to like the music industry, man. So I'm not in the music industry per se, but I hear about it all the time on how like, and then it gets into like you know Spotify and uh, iTunes and like everyone's taking a cut and before everything's like done, like the artist literally has nothing. Yeah. So it's like. It's like, how do you win? Yeah, man. So, and a lot of this is public knowledge, man. Yeah. So, like, you can um, literally go through a distributor, you know, for artists, TuneCore, DistroKid, CD Baby. You know, you figure out which one's best for you. Mm. Um, but ultimately, man, you you want to make sure you, you have rights to a beat, whether that is a lease. I mean, and now hopefully artists understand what a lease, you know, what a yeah. lease can lead up to um, and kind of the rights that you get with it. But... You do all that, you cover all your bases, have good cover art. You know, I always tell people to have good cover art, upload that, um, and put it through a distributor, right? And they're going to get you on all your channels that you want, all your platforms. That's Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, so forth, so on, Tidal. Yeah. But, yeah, man, 
the cool part was some distributors, they don't take any percentages off the record. Mm. Now that producer, they will get 50%. So off top, now you have 50%, right? God, yeah. 50% is not bad, but I mean, it can get, it could get lower. Now, if you have features, let's say you have features, you, you know, depending on what you work out with that artist, I don't know specifically on like what percentages um, features get. I have a general idea. It really depends, right? Yeah. You could be left with 25%. Mm. There's a couple records that I have floating around that I'm only recouping 25% of and then 50 yeah, and when that's all said, and done, like the fun part, you get to perform it. Like, what's yeah. perf- what's been your experience so far performing in Atlanta? I haven't performed in probably what is it, 2019, maybe like three years. Is it different? Like, is it different? Because when I think of like like bands, right? You go and you go and talk to the club owner and you play yeah. whatever at what bar. Is it the same for rappers here in Atlanta? I'm going to tell you, this is the reason why I haven't performed in three years. Yeah. Um, not that I don't want to or I'm against it or anything along those lines. When I first moved to Atlanta, man, that's all I was doing. I was just like mm. performing. Yeah. And sometimes depending on what situation situation you're in, you may have to pay $20, $30 to perform. <laughs> So I'm just like, well, at that point, I can utilize that twenty, thirty dollars yeah. um, elsewhere, and probably get a better, a, a better return on investment. Granted, I'm missing out on the experience of performing, um, the practice of performing, yeah. and then obviously like showing face. But at the end of the day, man, this music industry it takes money to be spent. There's no, at least de- depending on what kind of artist you are, there's no loopholes. Unless you have like a really good relationship or a couple relationships, which are hard to find. Mm-hmm. And, you, and that's the thing, man. If you have a relationship with someone, they don't just like come and go. They're like, they're, they're relationships, you know, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, so people just expect to be like best friends with someone out of nowhere and then like be able to like climb up with them. But man, it's just, it's just being genuine with someone. But yeah, I haven't performed, man. Um, I'm sure things have may have changed. I've had opportunities to perform, but ultimately my goal is, man, like I want to be able to get a fan base in certain areas, whether that's in Georgia or, and obviously, man, the mass is the world, right? Mm-hmm. But like being able to like go to a city and then at least have two, 300 people at a venue, like, yo, I'm here for Quan Duke, right? Yeah. So that's really the big thing. Instead of performing in front of other artists and then people who don't really care, you know, and obviously it's a, it's a 10% rule. I think there's a 10%, 10% rule to everything. Yeah. There's a hundred people in a crowd. Ten people may rock with it. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but yeah, I feel like there's a ten percent rule with like life, bro. That's another weird number that I have in my head. Yeah, but it's just like that's what's it's frustrating too. As creatives, no matter what avenue you in, I mean, you're talking to perform. You have to pay. Yeah. Like as the creative, like yeah. that's that's ridiculous. Hey, man, and and this is right. Like, Bro, it's all about the money, man. No matter what you do, I mean, it's life, though. You know, it's all yeah. about it's all about money. I mean, look at I don't know. Look at student loans. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you look at um, debt. Anything. It's all about the money. And if you don't pay it as interest, more money. Um, everything's about money, man. And then obviously the entertainment or music industry. It's the same same vibe. Mm-hmm. Especially the rap game, it's it's nuts. A lot of a lot of facades and things like that. But so with all that stacked against you, then what keeps you going? The love for music, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was like this weird thing my uncle told me. He's the one that um, put me on like the early rap stuff. Yeah. Like the, again, as I mentioned earlier, the Fro Monks and the Wu Tangs um, and MF Dooms. But 
he was like, yo, don't make music for like the money. Just put music out. And he used to tell me, because he used to do music too. Like my whole family does music. Obviously my dad does music. He's pretty, he produces as well. Bro, he's in his 40s and he, he just got his, um, or he's about to get his like degree from Full Sail. Okay. Like, and he did it. He doesn't need it, but I feel like it was like a closure almost. Mm-hmm. And like now he has a degree in like auto engineering, which is pretty dope. But yeah, like him, he does music. My grandma does music. Um, and real quick, like mm-hmm. when you say your grandma does music, I just want to be clear. Like, wh- like, what is she rapping or is she, she singing? Sings, bro, like, yo, yo. So like, because I'm literally, pretty sure like what you do coming out of her, I'm like, oh, yeah. yo. If you look up Sweet Lady D, bro, you'll find her on SoundCloud, bro. I'm going to shut my, my Dude, grandma I, Dukes up. I, I would, yeah, we'll put a link in there. We'll put a link in the bio. I got to check this out. Why not? But yeah. um, but nah, like, she, um, now, I think it's a little bit, because SoundCloud has died down um, before. Uh, what were we just talking about, though, before you asked that question? I'm going to get into the SoundCloud portion next. Um, oh, yeah, I, I got caught up. Oh, my, my whole family does yeah. music. So yeah, yeah. my uncle told me, yeah, well, my uncle told me, um, he was like, he was one of the uncles who kind of wrote and produced as well. But he was like, I don't want to be famous. I don't care. I just put music out. And I used to be like, oh, you have the old bitter vibe to you. Like, ah, forget it. But now nah, he told me, he was like, yo, I'm putting the music out. And if it, ha- if it happens, it happens. And he was just like, that's literally it. And then I, I never understood it until I got to where I'm at now. And I was like, yeah, I'll just put the music out. If it happens, it happens. Obviously, I'm a little bit more proactive than he was as far mm. as, like, getting it out there. But, bro, I wonder if this my music doesn't blow up in this lifetime and it blows up 200 years from now. And it's used in, like, a university from a professor. Who knows? Yeah. I'm going to, you know, this lifetime is going to be a little bit yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you never know, man. So I kind of took what he said and put that in perspective. But going on um, to the SoundCloud thing, yeah, like, she, my grandma, bro, she literally, but this is before, the, as I was saying, before the SoundCloud kind of died down a little bit. Because now Spotify is like the move, right? Mm-hmm. Apple Music's the move. Title's a move. But, um, you know, SoundCloud had all like those EDM producers. Yeah, so, like, yeah, yeah. these EDM producers, because my grandma would just record like acapellas, like on SoundCloud and drop them like three, four years back. What was she recording into? Probably like a, a phone. Like, she's literally recorded into a phone. But um, she literally puts these acapellas up and then like these EDM producers like take takes her vocals and like samples it over their, like their beats. There's like one song that hit like like 20, 30, 40, I don't remember, but it was like in the 50,000 range, bro. Like it'd be nuts. And like, I was like, she has more plays than I do on SoundCloud <laughs> off one song. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. So it's like, but that's another thing that actually keeps me going and pushing me. Like, bro, my grandma, she's, you know, she's a grandmother, man. She's, she's a little bit, she has a little bit more, um, years than we do under her belt and she still puts out music so it's, it's pretty amazing to see that man for sure and you said that soundcloud's dying down that's crazy because like no matter what i read i just hear i keep hearing about these like soundcloud rappers and it sounds like soundcloud is like where it's at and like how are you like how, how do people get discovered on there yo so like i was part of the the soundcloud realm it never popped off for me on soundcloud right now, you know uh-huh but i feel like there's a whole like vibe of the soundcloud rapper it's like face now it's like face tattoos and like colored hair and it is what it is like it's not something that like you're not gonna do that excuse me are you planning on doing something like that i don't know no bro no i didn't want to be like don't do it and then you're like dude i got this all mapped i gotta do it oh god bro i've met people like that i've been around 
And they're like, yo, I'm about to get face tats. Like they've told me that they're just gonna get, they're gonna like do it just to like, because yeah. of the culture. And I'm just like, okay. Not that like it's anything wrong with it. It's just I personally don't want to like put tattoos on my face. Like I don't know. I just don't. <laughs> what would your uh, What would your grandmother have to say about that? <laughs> she was mad that I had tattoos on my arms, man. She's like, "Why oh, you got them tats on you?" You know. And I was just like, "Well, you know, I got these tats when I was a, not a kid, but you know, like, yeah. late teens." Jeez. Yeah, but oh, man. So is that like? Have you? Do you know anybody who's been like? Con- like, does somebody just reach out to you? With what? With SoundCloud or Spotify or something? Does somebody just reach out? And no like, one's ever um, reached out, man. Especially know? not on SoundCloud right now. On Spotify, I'm just pushing my Spotify as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I put the album out and I kind of just took a break. And I literally like, dropped, like, bro, I put the, this is what I literally did. Put out the album. It hit like two, 3,000 streams. Like not, not many streams, man. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people may watch this, but like 2,000 streams, that's it, 3,000 streams. But... I didn't promote it when I released it. I literally put it on platforms and I shared the link a couple times and didn't touch it afterwards. And then it went up to like two, 3,000 streams. Then I was like, okay, now that I have more energy and I'm ready to like mm. put more energy into the album as far as a promotional piece, um, I just started like pushing it, man. And like now I'm up to like 20,000 streams and this has been within a month. So hopefully we're gonna see um, but yeah, I went from like 3,000 streams to like 20,000 in like 30, 30 some odd days. So. so why didn't you push it when it was... Uh, when I first released yeah. it, I was drained. Like I literally, I came home late. I was out till four o'clock in the morning recording. Um, it was just like kind of that that life that doesn't really get me get me much sleep, you know? Yeah. Um, and I have a daughter now, so it's like I definitely want to be around for her as much as I can. Um to like play with her, bro. As, as cliche as it sounds, like playing with her, being there, touching her her hands and her feet, bro. Like those are like precious moments that you can never get back. Like if you're not there to do those things, you're like, dang, I didn't even get to hold her her foot for for yeah. a couple minutes, bro. Like while you were sleeping or taking a nap with her. Like these little small like things mm-hmm. in life where it's like, damn, I didn't even think about that. Like I want to be able to do those things or like feeding her, you know, like and you know. People who, who may not have a kid right now or a child, they're like, I don't, I don't, I can't really grasp it, but having a kid, man, is a whole different type of love for sure. So it's like. And how does having a daughter change things for you just overall musically? Yeah, man, like for, well, more for me as a person um, than musically. And I, I feel like since it has changed me as a person, it has helped my music. And I'll, I'll kind of yeah. answer your question. Like, bro, I don't care about anything that, doesn't matter anymore mm-hmm. or like negative negativity or negative vibes like I, I don't care like I used to care about so much more before she was born like even during the nine months bro like <laughs> when the baby wasn't here yet I was like stressing out about a, a whole bunch of things not even about having a baby just like things in life like oh money or oh bills or oh this or oh my credit score dropped 50 points oh, blah, blah, blah. but now it's just like I don't care not that I'm disregarding those things, but it's just like, you got, honestly, bro, having a baby, it helps me put the proper energy to the proper channel. So now I can focus on my credit score going up. Because, mm. bro, believe it or not, like, you can have hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars. If your credit score is crap, bro, like, you still can't do anything. Yeah. Like, and that's nuts. So it's like, back when I was, you know, younger, I didn't care about a credit score. So now I got to get the credit score up, bro. Like, but these are things in life, and I feel like these are things as... 
um, especially being like an artist or a rapper, bro, mm. like they don't talk about this stuff because it's kind of corny. Like, oh, you care about a credit score? Like, I'm trying to. Like, I feel bro. like there's a whole. I feel like you, as corny bro. as it does sounds, I know it's important, but I feel like you could do a whole cool rendition of how to get your credit up, bro. You, the, you like, bro, it, to get a house, to get a car, like, bro, you gotta have a credit score. It is what mm. it is. You gotta have your financial like stuff in order, bro. Like, mm. but yeah, like having a baby helps you get or at least me not like oh have a baby bro and your credit score is gonna go up yeah. but not nah, like you're able to put energy in the proper channels like you know yeah. especially if you have a big responsibility in front of you and you have something that's inevitable that you have to take care of if you want to take care of that responsibility yeah and do, do you think she inspires you uh in other ways as far as like lyrically or anything like that oh yeah man just being being like a, a better person bro and like because honestly man like i'm selfish mm-hmm. like i feel like everyone's selfish it's human nature um, there's a book by Robert Greene, by the way, called yeah. uh, The Laws of Human Nature. Check out that book. <laughs> but um, nah, man. Um, also, bro, yeah, if you read, bro, or like anybody, I encourage like anyone to read too. But yeah, like Laws of Human Nature talks about like a lot of things that are inevitable as a human. And I feel like being selfish is one of those. And I feel like, again, if you have something that requires a lot of attention and energy, it kind of helps you become a little less selfish and more selfless. So it's like she helps me a lot in that in that regard for sure. Who inspires you musically as far as like artist-wise? Artist-wise, sheesh, man. Um, I, everyone says it all the time, and I finally kind of escaped part of the <laughs> the circle. But um, uh, like J. Cole is obviously a big influence. You know, some people will hit me up in my DMs like, yo, you sound like a new J. Cole or like an updated J. Cole. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? J. Cole's still like, he's updated J. Cole. But honestly, man, I think without... I look at it as a good thing, but what I really feel the thing is, is, you know, I speak my truth and then, you know, J. Cole speaks his truth, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like people just want that reiteration of, oh, there is another artist that's mm-hmm. um, putting out something that is real, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But J. Cole, for sure, to believe, to believe it or not, bro, 50 Cent's um, my favorite rapper of all time. Yeah. Um, he was actually... I'll be real with you, bro. My first album I ever bought was about the Bow Wow album. Dude, my first album was, I think, like Usher. So, like, my bro. way back in the day. But it wasn't because I was like, yo, Bow Wow, I got to get Bow Wow's album. It was, like, the only thing that, like, yeah. my grandma wanted me to get at the time. <laughs> and then eventually I was like, nah, the whole time I really wanted 50 Cent's uh, Get Rich or Die Trying. So mm. that's what really inspired me to do music besides my dad's music. My dad goes without saying he's my favorite artist of all time. But... As far as like who um, is still out now and so like that would be like 50 Cent for sure. If you could ask 50 Cent one question, what would it be? Well, sheesh, man. The biggest question I would probably ask is like, what was your biggest regret? Like I would definitely ask what your biggest regret is. I feel Mm -hmm. like everyone has a regret. But on the same token, though, I feel like I believe in the same. um, It's not regretting what you did do. It's what you didn't do. So I may even ask what is something that you regretted that you did not do. Do you, do you regret anything? Do you have any regrets? Yeah, man, for sure. Um, I'll, I mean, I, yeah, like a, the, a big regret that I have is, and it's, it's, it's so, I talk about it on the album, man, actually, and I'm thinking about it, but um, like not, not finishing college, like just leaving college. I was producing and putting music out like on um, YouTube and I was making money off my beats at the time. And some situations happened where I had to like go back because I'm from Des Moines, Iowa, and I went up to Ames for college or whatever, Iowa mm. State, the Cyclones or whatever. And I was producing music there, and I was making some money online, and I was able to pay rent. But 
it didn't work out. I kind of went broke, right? Um, and bro, I literally utilized all my financial like loans the right way, bro. Like I was <laughs> eating ramen noodles, but I just ran out. Like that's literally how it went, bro. I ran out, so I had to go back and then um, go back home. And that was pretty much it and live back with like my mom and stuff. But, and then I was like, yo, let me keep pushing. And I was able to get like this corporate job. Corporate job helped me out. And I was able to like actually see corporate money but then I wasn't doing music as much anymore. And I'm just like, yo. And then it, it was able to help me get down to Atlanta, luckily. So, like, I don't really regret the trajectory of my life so far. But, you know, I, I do regret, like, not finishing college and getting, like, that college vibe. And the, but now that I look back at it, man, some, on, the same, on the same note, I don't really regret leaving in the slightest just for the sake that, like, it just would have been more drinking, more pointless relationships more pointless vibes. So it's like debt. More debt, bro, yeah. I was only like a couple bands in debt, a couple thousand dollars in debt, right? Still, like that's the thing with college. College is tough, man. I actually dodged that bullet. Yeah. I, I did like I started to go and then um yeah, I just realized that it just wasn't for me very very quickly and I realized what I wanted to do didn't require a degree. Yeah. And that's when I just started doing my own thing and it sounds like that's kind of what you did too. Um but to kind of loop back around to like your uh, your influences or whatever is that is 50 the person you'd probably want to work with if you had to, if you had the choice yeah bro if i can get if i can get a verse from 50 cent that would be what about producer do you have any producers in mind that you'd love to work with kanye west bro for sure as much as the controversy controversy that is behind him um i definitely would want to work with kanye bro i would love to interview that dude it's yeah. like he's I don't know what the, he's all over the place. Mm-hmm. Joe Rogan just interviewed him. I don't know when it's going to drop. I know like, I want to see that. Yeah, but I just don't know what like what any interview I've ever watched. He's everywhere. Like he doesn't yeah. sit. Like his brain is just all over. And there's all. I feel like there's always a method to the mad madness. But it'd be interesting to talk to him there and maybe even see him in studio as well. Because I mean, dude's a that'd be nuts. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I would definitely like love a Fifty and Kanye record, bro. Maybe a Culverse. Like that would be like the <laughs> ideal. That'll be the ideal, because I remember um, J. Cole had the New York New York Times song, something like that, but it was a 50 Cent feature that he had with him. It was J. Cole and 50 Cent, dope feature. But, like, if I can get a Cole 50 in a, and produced by Kanye, bro, like, that would be nuts. That'd be a good paycheck, too, probably. Good, I don't care about the paycheck, bro. I just want to <laughs> yeah. have that on my discography, but yes. Yeah. Be some, some, good, some good coin, for sure. That'd be cool, man. Um, so what, what's, I guess, now with, like... What I guess what's the what's the dream now, like your dream situation, bro? Literally being able to, like, live a little beyond the comfort level financially while like being a creator, whether that's like doing something that is related to music. You know what I'm saying? Um, ideally, me as an artist and me as a songwriter for sure. But yeah, man, I, I feel like being one of the, I, I have the, not even the potential, man. Like I'm one of the, the greater artists, honestly. Like I'm one of the better artists of all time. I feel like coming up, like in this up, up and coming generation, you know what I'm saying? So the goal, bro, is to keep putting music out and being, being able to make like a couple hundred grand, bro. That's it. A couple hundred grand a year. But like people feel like you have to be successful as an artist if you're on like a Drake level mm-hmm. or a Kendrick Lamar level, like you have to make 20, 30, 40 million. And if I get there, great. But bro, being able to make under a half a million dollars a year, that's that's how much a surgeon makes, bro. 
And they always said, what did P. Diddy said it best? More money, more problems, man. Yeah, but if I get it, great. But it's just like, yeah, making 200 to maybe five, like a half a million. That'll be dope. I have a nice, like a really nice house. I have all my cars paid for. I'm happy. Bro, people chase this happiness thing. Like it's something that they're going to get no matter what when they're 40 years old or when they're 50. Like I'm, I just want to be happy. I just want to be ha- happy or whatever. And they feel like they need certain things in life or they need to be in certain situations to create that happiness. But like you can literally be happy now. Mm-hmm. You just got to let go. Like once you let go, bro, you're good. Now, if you were to make the, you know, the 200 to 500, would you consider that, would that be your definition of success? Yeah, man. I feel like, yeah. I mean, but what is success though? There's cliches that sound, what is success? Is it a million? Is it 2 million? Is it making $40,000 a year? Is it making, I don't know, $25,000 a year? Is it being a minimalist? Bro, like think about it. Two, 300 years ago, none of this existed. None of it. I mean, not 200, 300 years ago, maybe. There's a while. More or less, yeah. Like I feel like none of this stuff existed, man. This is everything has been man-made, and everything has been an idea put in our heads of what we think makes happiness and what makes you successful, bro. But it's like I'm successful right now, man. I, you know, I I make good money. Um, I have a family. Like I have good health. I mean, how am I not successful, bro? You know what I'm saying? That's Mm. how I have to kind of look at it. Like I, I was. Driving through Atlanta the other day, and I literally seen a dude with a beer can next to him, and he was like sleep in like broad daylight, and I'm just like, part part of me did feel bad because I was like, what did he do in life to get to that particular situation? Like you don't just wake up that way, you know yeah. what I'm saying? You have to make certain choices to get to that point, and it's just like I'm blessed. And where do you think if you could give a message to yourself? If we fast forward five years, if you could give a message to yourself, what would it be? Um, don't overthink stuff. Um, literally like, bro, like, yeah, don't overthink, think things and like go with the flow, honestly. And and don't stress yourself out about things that truly don't matter. Um, that'll be a big one. Um, do what, do what your gut says. And like all these, all these things are just like cliche, cliche terms. Like I hear this thought, like people are going to watch this interview and they're going to be like, yo, I've, I've been hearing this, either that's from Gary Vee or like P. Diddy or J. Cole or Drake or whatever. Like, you know, this is what the keys to success are and do this and do that. But no, these are literally the keys to success or just a, a, a plate of competencies that you just have to have in order to like be happy and successful. But no, one, I don't I don't think anyone's ever going to be happy in life ever. I, I don't, agree with that. Ever. There's too, there's too much in life that evolves and changes every single second where unless you get into a certain mindset, which I feel like is going to be really, really hard to like get into, but I don't think everyone, like, it's, it really boils down to regrets and, and just re- like, yeah, it just boils down to regrets, bro. Mm-hmm. I feel like regret, regret is a disease. It's like a mental disease. Yeah, Gary Vee talks about that too. He talks yeah. about going to talk to people who are super old. And ask them yeah. things like that look of regret will change your life. I still me I've been like meaning to do that, like for real. Mm. But yeah. All right, man. Well, dude, I appreciate you taking the time out here. Where can we find you online? Yeah, bro. Quan Duke. Um, Instagram is mostly where I'm active on. Um, but really Spotify and Apple Music, like this is, you know, it's about the music. So I'm always on those platforms. Um, right now I'm also gonna be coming out with like an ebook. Uh, hopefully shortly. So I'm going to be writing up pretty much all like the tips and, and 
I want to say like the true keys to be like a millionaire, but it's going to be um, a lot of things that, excuse me, that I've done in the past, you know, 10 years um, to help me evolve as an artist. So. And last question, if somebody who saw you and is up and coming like you, because you've got so much experience, they ask you, it's like, what is the one thing I need to do to be successful in this game? What do I need to do? Or um, what piece of advice would you give them? Yeah, find a, a happy median between being genuine and then being like selfish. So like, obviously kind of know the people you're around, know people's true intentions um, and just have like that 48 laws of power arsenal under your belt. Um, I don't know if you've ever read that book, Mm -hmm. another book by Robert Greene. But if you use, like if you go by that book too much, you'll, you'll, you'll be an asshole. (laughs) But at the same time, you wouldn't be an asshole, but you know, at the same time, you wouldn't use it as your, your, your defense in case you run into situations that can ultimately leave you shorthanded. And then honestly, man, just be yourself and be genuine and just find a happy medium there. And then, bro, like, don't overthink um, the, the artistry. Just, like, put the music out as much as you can and then just, like, be happy as much as possible because there's points in times it used to be pretty stressful and sad for me to write a song. Like, I didn't want to do music because I had to tap into so much, like, negative energy before. All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. If you want to connect with Quan, you can find all of his information in the show notes below. You can also find him on Instagram at Quan Duke. And I would love your help. This podcast is brand new, so I need all the help I can get. If you would, just subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating. I really, really would appreciate it. And last but not least, I got a little something for you. For the last 10 years, I have been writing, shooting, producing, editing my own video to get my dream job as an entertainment reporter in Los Angeles interviewing the stars. Now, that might not be your dream, but if you are in this industry and you are in this field, you are going to need to learn how to write, shoot, and edit, produce your own content. Now, I want to personally train you on these skills so you can create your own journey and make money while doing so. So what I want you to do now is log on to Facebook and request to be in my private Facebook group, On Camera Professionals. Once again, it is called On Camera Professionals. But wait, Thomas, I really like your stuff. I really want to learn from you, but I don't want to be on camera. Don't worry, I got you covered. In this group, I'm going to be doing a live training, so that means live tips and tricks. I'm going to do giveaways, freebies, and I'm also going to do personalized training. So once again, log on to Facebook and type in On Camera Professionals and I'll see you there.